it was getting colder and it was in the afternoon time. And unfortunately, some accident happened in front of me. A guy from another expedition died. Like he was literally alive. And then 10 minutes later, he was dead. Dolores Shelley is the first Jordanian woman to have summited Mount Everest. She climbed the mountain in 2019. 12 climbers died that year. The weather was especially brutal. In Nepal, it snowed more than it had in over 40 years, and it even snowed in Kathmandu, a rare occurrence. But avalanches, blizzards, and high winds are all part of the game when climbing a mountain. I'm Nadia Michelle, and this is TMR Thrill Seekers. I've asked around later, and they told me that he was already exhausted going up, and um, he was 65, I think, his age. So he did not want to listen to the guides. Like they were telling him that he's tired, he should turn back because you have you have a, a window to climb to the top. Our guides told us if you pass, for example, 10 hours and you still need, I don't know, three or four hours to reach the top, then turn back and just go down because there is no chance you will survive. It's, it's like an indication. Or if you feel tired or you have frostbite. So we had to like the other guides had to put him on the side and then we had to go down the ladder. Uh, I think that moment I realized how serious this is and that people actually died out of exhaustion, not only oxygen or anything or falling. And this really drained me. That moment gave me a lot of fear. So I started going down slower, which means the day passed while I'm still going down from the climb. It became really dark. It became really cold and windy, which is this is when usually people fall asleep. They re- they start hallucinating. Um, I stopped having water. I didn't have food. Thankfully, I had extra oxygen supplements because I didn't want to go to Everest unless I had uh, 12 bottles, which is considered a bit more than, than what others would take. So yeah, it took me a lot of time to go down. And around, I think, 1 or 2 a.m., I was losing consciousness. I wasn't hallucinating, but I was really cold. So I found a tent in the middle of the way, which is not my tent. And it was like half broken and the wind was just blowing so, so fast. And I just got in and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sleep here. I don't care. There is no mat. I'm going to sleep on the rock. I cannot do this anymore. So thankfully, I had a Russian guide with me, which, which he wasn't from my expedition, but he saw that I saw all the deaths and those things happening. So he stayed with me there for half an hour, but then he had to wake me up and get me out of the tent so we can find another tent where he can like uh, melt some water, we can find some food. So going down was a disaster to me. (laughs) It was something I was not expecting. I'm laughing now, but trust me, back then I was crying all the way down. Like I'm, I'm walking and just crying. And then after we found the tent, which is not ours, I was able to sleep a few hours and get warm uh, with the guide. And then after that, we continued the way down. I would say uh, I was very lucky and blessed to have the full health and focus going up. And I had no issues, no fall. Like I didn't fall. I didn't feel fear or anything when it came to that. The weather on Everest can be brutal. I don't have the exact figures for that particular day, but wind speeds often go over 125 miles per hour, which is roughly 200 kilometers per hour. As a comparison, 
Hurricane Katrina, that hurricane that destroyed New Orleans in 2005, made landfall at 175 miles per hour and then ripped through the city, ripping the roofs off of houses at around 100 miles per hour. Keep in mind that Dolores is 1 meter 72 and only around 60 kilograms. It was too stormy, too windy. We, we even, that not only the summit week, even before that, the second round that I just told you about, when we go to the 7,100 meters, that day there was a huge storm and I was taking it as a joke, to be honest. I was like, whatever, it's just a storm. And then at 7 a.m. I wake up, I get ready, I get out of the tent and the storm blows and I just see myself flying. Like I almost flew up off the edge. And then one of the Sherpas just jumped on me. He grabbed me down to the floor and there was an ice ax in front of me and I was holding onto the ice ax. My other tent mate also, she, she was on the floor and then they put us back to the tent. We were soaking wet. And, and again, everyone was like screaming because it was unexpected, but we had to continue. So we went down really fast as much as possible because you cannot see anything in front of you. It's too white. It's too cold, foggy. Uh, there's a lot of storm. It's on the edge. So it wasn't the best year to, to climb, to be honest. I didn't even enjoy it as much on the top because I was there for 10 minutes. Usually if the weather is nice, you can stay 40 minutes on the top. We stayed for like 10 days in the camp waiting for the window opening. Usually on Everest, you have a week of window opening if you're lucky and the weather is nice. And they were telling us every day, like, guys, you need to be ready. There is a big chance that we might not summit this year because of the weather, because it's so dangerous that we have to cancel everything. So we only had two, two days of window opening. 2019 was also a record year on Everest in terms of the number of climbers. 885 people summited in a very small window of opportunity in May when the weather finally cleared up. So all of those climbers had to summit in the same couple of days. Adventurer Nims Persia was also there that year. You might know him from his 14 Peaks documentary on Netflix. He took a picture showing hundreds of people on a line near the top of the mountain that made the front page of the New York Times. It made it look like the mountain was dangerously overcrowded. That picture, along with reports of dead bodies being left along the path, created a sense of public panic, which is what the media is really good at. But it also gave the impression that everyone is now climbing Everest and that maybe it's not so challenging after all. But that's a big assumption to make. Consider this, around 30,000 people ran the Boston Marathon in 2021. But that doesn't mean that running 26 miles is easy. High altitudes can be deadly, and extreme harsh conditions take their toll. It was a very, very, very bad year. From the Nepal side, most of it was because of the crowd also. It's not only the weather. There was a huge line of people. I don't know if you've seen that photo or in the news. A lot of people came back with frostbites and lost their fingers or even half of their hand or something. The challenge of it, I know it sounds so hard and all of that, but there are so many good things to it where you, you learn how to deal with challenges. Dolores was born and raised in Jordan by a Palestinian Jordanian father and a Serbian mother. She grew up dreaming of climbing mountains and epic adventures. But the expense of mountaineering was more than she and most people can afford. 
each mountain is different. So if you're talking about the nine days mountains and stuff, it's like 5,000 to 6,000 euros, but Everest is like 60, let's say 64,000 dollars, something like that. Yeah. Because uh, um, it's not only for the trip itself, but for the preparations before for my personal trainer, for the equipment that we buy, it's very professional and expensive. It's not any kind of equipment. And then you have the salaries of the Sherpas with us and the guide and the logistics of the whole trip. I was 25 when I decided to climb my first mountain. And I've always been an adventure lover, but I never had an actual chance to go climb a mountain because of the expenses of it and the time. I decided to do it. Honestly, it was kind of over a night when I decided to climb Mount Mirror Peak because I was in an event held by a Jordanian mountaineer who also climbed Everest as the first Jordanian. And then I was excited to try something like that, like a big adventure for the first time. And that's when I started preparing. So I paid uh, half of uh, half of my first trip from my savings and the other half, uh, the owner of the company I worked for wanted to support me to go climb. So he also, the, the, um, the good bookshop in Jordan, he also wanted to support me taking this step. So he, he helped me out finish the amount of, of that trip. When she was finally ready to climb Everest at the age of 28, Dolores had to go knocking on doors to collect money from sponsors. That was the, the nicest part, actually, because it was the hardest. So I had to, had to do like presentations and I had to knock on doors and look for sponsors to support me to climb the mountain. The good part is that I had a message with me and um, also it would be a historical achievement, let's say. But uh, it was not easy to tell you. Like I had to really do a lot of uh, meetings and try to convince people to fund me, to do PR for them and media and all of that. So it took me a while. Even the Sustainable City, it took me almost a year and a half to be able to sign the sponsorship for Mount Manaslu and Mount Everest. Sustainable City is Dubai's first net zero energy development. The 500 villas and 89 apartments there function using solar panels and recycled water, and no cars are allowed. Instead, residents are encouraged to use electric golf carts or horse-drawn buggies. There are natural biodome greenhouses and organic farms for local food production, and there's even a school, a mosque, and a science museum. It's a worthy project that Dolores was proud to promote while she was climbing and documenting her Everest expedition. In fact, she filmed the journey herself and eventually released it as a documentary called The Lone She, which premiered on National Geographic Abu Dhabi on International Women's Day in 2020. After climbing Everest, Dolores returned to see her family in Amman. Jordan, a lot of culture, a lot of tradition, family-oriented, um, social life, beautiful nature destinations. Petra is, is there in the Seven Wonders, one of the Seven Wonders, and the Dead Sea, the Aqaba. There's so many other things in Wadis also to, to see in, in, in Jordan. Oh, and the food. I'm sorry, I forgot the food is the best. <laughs> I have to admit, <laughs> my favorite is there, the food in Jordan. One thing Dolores said she really missed while she was on Everest was home-cooked food. I asked her what her favorite dish is, although I suspected I knew the answer. Mensef, of course. 
<laughs> I can eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I don't mind, <laughs> which drives my mom crazy because she cooks everything. And she's like, that's not healthy for you to eat all the time. Mansef is Jordan's most famous dish. It consists of lamb cooked in dried yogurt that's been fermented for several months. It's usually served with rice flavored with animal fat and eaten with thin Arabic bread. But the right way to eat it is by making a small bowl with your hand and scooping mensef from a communal serving dish and then adding some onion on top. Dolores' enthusiasm about the food was real, but it didn't quite make up for the post-adventure syndrome that many climbers experience. It can be tough to readjust to the underwhelming routine of regular life. It was more like a taking a break for two months, but not any kind of break. This is the hard part to explain because it's a challenging kind of break. It's not like a holiday. And then coming back and just having to adapt back to the to the norm of the life you've been living is, is kind of a weird feeling. And also, of course, the exhaustion really had impact on me. So when I had, even when I had TV interviews, I felt like my mind was not there. I felt like my body is there, but my mind was not present at that moment. I mean, like my focus and everything came back after, let's say, six months or a bit more. But I don't feel I'm the same person. And I don't think I'm ever going to be the same person, which is which is fine. But it did affect my relationships with people and my surroundings and how I look at life. It did affect a, a huge part where I became more observant about certain things that I've noticed a lot of, um, I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of people don't see it the way I see it. To find out more about Dolores, check out her Instagram page at Dolores Shelley. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like it and follow us on whatever platform you're listening on. You can find me on Instagram at Nadia Michelle underscore. See you soon.